You guys, I am excited this morning to share the Word of God with you. Pastor is up in Reading, uh, preaching for Pastor Dennis Tucker, and uh, so we'll be praying for him today. Believe in God for something great to happen up there, and uh, but we're going to have a good time this morning. Amen? I can always tell um, it's either going to be really good or it's going to be really bad. So it's, it's really just up to you guys, all right? So I'm going to do my best to give you something good, but if it's bad, it's not my fault, all right? So <laughs> just had to put that out there. Amen. How many of you guys have ever felt um, completely outnumbered in a situation, you know, whether spiritually, naturally? I mean, there's a lot of times where, where you walk into a situation and you just feel outnumbered. Last night we were at an event at the school and uh, they call it a, a harvest party, and, and so um, it's purely a fundraiser. They're just milking you for everything you got. Everything's a ticket, and, uh, but it is like kids on candy nonstop, and I was so overstimulated because I was so outnumbered, and, and I would hate to tell you what booth was the most popular, but kids were like, they were dragging their friends to this. They do this, they do it every year, and it's a joke, and you know, I... I I, I don't know if I would do it, but hey, it's a fundraiser, so we do whatever, right? And uh, <laughs> kidding, but it's this marriage booth, you know, and so, you know, the high schoolers and stuff, it's, it's a big joke because you pick two kids and you pay all these tickets, you know, and the kids try to, they got to link arms for a little bit, and so I linked arms with my wife. It was good. We renewed our vows and stuff like that, but these kids are just flying all over the place, and I'm like, I got to get out of here. I felt completely out numbered. Amen. I, I was like, I am overstimulated and I like to have fun. I, I'm a pretty high strung person. I, I'm pretty ADD sometimes. But man, I was on overload last night. And, uh, and a few weeks ago, a group of us went out during the day and we decided to just walk and pray. I, I love to just walk our city streets and just pray and, and, and try to, to witness to people and stuff. And, and for a moment, I felt completely outnumbered. And, uh, and this morning, I want to talk to you about his faithfulness in our life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today, God, for, for your goodness. God, I, I thank you in the next few moments, God, that, that this individual would step aside. Father, that, that your Holy Spirit would be free to speak and minister to our hearts and lives. God, I think you have something you want to stir in us, something you want to establish in us. So today, God, let it be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, as, as we walked the, the streets, um, two weeks ago, I, you know, we were having fun and, and praying and, and there was just people everywhere. You know, sometimes we go downtown, park in the parking garage and, and walk, you know, downtown right on, on main street right there. But we felt compelled to go up and park up by, um, what is that? Rite Aid up there and Starbucks and McDonald's. And I mean, it was just bustling up there. It was like, people were moving, people were everywhere. I was like, man, I kind of. For a minute, I like stopped. I'm like, I feel like I'm in a big city. Like, you know, it's Placerville. <laughs> but I was just like, man, this place is hopping during the day. You know, and we're up there walking and stuff. And I'm just seeing all these people just totally about their business. I mean, Starbucks, every table was filled. I'm like, don't you people work? And then I'm thinking, wait, I'm never mind. But <laughs> we're up there and, and teaching the kids how to evangelize and um, stuff. And, and so as we're walking, I'm nobody wanted to talk. Nobody wanted to engage, and, and I'm just, like, feeling totally outnumbered in our, in our city. And I'm like, God, I don't like this. I was like, I don't, I don't like the feeling that, that I'm alone out here on these streets. 
And, and I began to watch as, as we tried to interact with people. And there was like this wall and there people. And, and, and there were some that we got to engage with. But for the most part, I felt like I was on an island by myself. And this morning, is, as I think about that, I think, how can we ever take the enemy's territory as long as we walk in fear? You know, I, I think about our cities. I think about the people in our neighborhoods. And I think the number one reason why we never see the fullness of God working in our lives is because of the very fear that we walk in of being outnumbered. Amen. We, we feel like we're all alone. We feel like, is there anybody else out there that, that believes? Is there, any, is there another believer in my workplace? Is there another believer in my neighborhood? Is there another fellow Christian? And, and we've all had that moment where, where we encounter one and we're like, glory to God, we're teammates, right? We can, we can sit and have lunch together from now on. Maybe some of you have had that happen. Maybe some of you are still waiting for that to happen. But how can we ever make a difference when we feel outnumbered? The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 7 this morning, there's no outline. You can get your pen and paper out. I like to put it up on the board, wall, screen, whatever it is for you. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 7 says, For God has not given us a what, what? spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That is so easy to read, isn't it? I've really been thinking about that lately as I'm reading these scriptures. I'm like, man, that's so easy to read. And Oh, yeah, I believe that, right? Do we really, though? Do we really believe the things we read? I mean, do we, when, when you read scriptures like that, does that like get on the inside of you? You're like, oh, that's a good thought. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. I'm out on the streets. I'm going, I'm kind of afraid to witness to people. And I've been a believer for 17 years. I'm just like, why am I feeling outnumbered? I'm like, wait a second, God, you, you've done some amazing things in my life. You've been faithful to me. You've shown me your goodness. You've shown me your mercy. You've shown me grace that I do not deserve. And yet I'm out on these streets feeling completely outnumbered, completely fearful of what people's reaction are going to be, and I may never see these people again. And I am scared of their reaction when I tell them that God loves them. What, what is so fearful about that? Why do we get so bound in these emotions and these feelings when we just want to share the goodness of God? But yet God has not given us a spirit of fear. But I believe many times we read these things and they haven't really gotten down on the inside of us. Many of us think, well, I don't walk around in fear. But when was the last time you stopped your footsteps, stopped the progression of your life, and you just began to share the love of God with someone in need? Think about how consumed we are with our days, with our lives. And yet we are so wrapped up into this pursuit that yet we're never stopping long enough to have a conversation, engage, and find where people are at. Because is it fear or is it distraction? I don't know what it is. I think we could go a lot of different directions this morning. But this morning I want to talk about the fear that keeps us from sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm probably a little more fired up about this. I just spent six weeks in Bible school talking about evangelism. And it's near and dear to my heart because I believe that the church dies when we stop evangelizing. Amen? The, the church will cease to exist if we cease to evangelize and share the gospel. Amen? So how many of us have ever been asked to do something, whether in the natural or in the spirit, that we feel is totally out of our league? 
I mean, come on. I, I, the Kurds dinner was an absolutely amazing Friday night. I, I just saw the pictures. I lived vicariously through the ladies. I was, I was being dad, taking care of the boys. But what a breathtaking event. Absolutely awesome. But I will tell you that nobody that put that event on went to school to be a professional event coordinator. And yet so many times we think, oh, I don't have the expertise. I don't have the training. I don't have what it takes to do something significant. But I don't think God is looking for expertise. See, I believe the Bible's filled with stories of men and women of God that were challenged to do things they never felt equipped to do. It's filled with stories of those that accomplish things that honestly make no sense to our carnal man, does it? I mean, when you think about the stories in the Bible, I begin to think about the great things that have been done through men and women of God. And I'm just like, God, those are breathtaking stories. I mean, it is just amazing. to. I would love to go back and watch Noah build an ark. I mean, you want to talk about making a fool of yourself. Right? I, wa- I want to see Moses put, put his staff in and watch the sea separate. Did, get this this morning? I mean, what has God done to display his faithfulness? You know, I mean, Moses tapping his stick on a rock and water pouring out so they could drink. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I've broken a lot of rocks open as a kid trying to find gold. Get it? And no water comes out. Right. I don't know about you guys, but I, I, I enjoy eating quite frequently. And I could just imagine the, the supernatural manna falling from. I mean, could you imagine waking up every morning and breakfast is just laying there for you? I mean, is that not a man's dream? Right. Breakfast in bed. It's just there. Right. You begin to think about these things that, that God has has done throughout the Bible. I mean, why wouldn't you read this thing? I mean, these are amazing stories. Forget the movies. Forget sci-fi, right? I mean, the, the superhero movies are, are great. I, I've been talking in chapel to the kids at the school about being a superhero. I can't wear the underoos anymore, so i got to buy Superman t-shirts. But I think the Bible's full of superhero stories. I think of David as a young man. He, he shut, I mean, the lion and the bear taking a slingshot and killing a giant. And we can't even walk and pray in our city streets. We can't even share the love of God with our neighbor. And yet the Bible's filled with stories of God's goodness. I love reading these life stories. I I think these stories many times are about people just like you and I. They faced difficult odds, stared fear in the face, and had completely stepped out in faith. This morning I want to ask you, do you understand his faithfulness? When you think about God, and you think about these stories, and you think about what he desires to do in the earth today, I want to ask you one question. Do you understand his faithfulness? See, as we approach this time of year, I begin to consider the things that I'm most thankful for. Maybe you do, too. Thanksgiving, it's always a good time to think about being thankful. Amen? We're not. And I began to think about, God, what am I thankful for? I'm thankful for his faithfulness in my life. I can tell you over the last 17 years, his faithfulness has been amazing. I don't deserve what he's done in my life. But faithfulness defined is to one's word, its promises or vows. And deeper than that, it's steady in allegiance. It's loyal and it's constant. When you think about God, 
When you think about his love for you, he is steady in allegiance. He is loyal and he is constant. When you think about your life, is it steady in allegiance to him? Monday through Saturday, is it steady? Is it loyal to him? Is it constant? Or is his faithfulness outnumbering our faithfulness? See, the number one enemy to his faithfulness is fear. In order to walk in what God has called us to, we need to understand something first, that he is faithful. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 36 and verse number 5, if you're taking notes this morning, or you can read it on the wall, it says, Your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. There's no, I mean, the depth of his faithfulness supersedes anything we understand here on earth. I think a lot of the problems that we have today with God are because we have a skewed understanding of relationship, faithfulness, loyalty, commitment, staying constant, staying true. How many of you have been hurt? How many of you have been neglected? How many of you have come from a fallen relationship, whether it's you, whether it's your parents, whether it's your grandparents? It doesn't matter. We all have this skewed view of what faithfulness truly is because of our personal experiences. But God's faithfulness reaches to the clouds. The Bible says that he's faithful to a thousand generations. I I love seeing my kids, and and I'm not going to brag about my kids because they are kids and they make a lot of mistakes. But I am believing that I am not living this life for me. I am not spending my time in the Word of God and staying faithful to God and, and learning God and understanding God and following God so that I could pass from this life to the next and hope that maybe my kids will serve the Lord. I am living and believing and intentionally, purposefully desiring that my kids will live this life greater than what I've walked in. Because of verses just like this, your mercy, O Lord, is... Oh, wait. Next one, Luke, sorry. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. His faithfulness supersedes anything we've ever experienced here on earth. Faithfulness is his, Him moving on our behalf regardless of whether we deserve it or not. I do not deserve His faithfulness in my life. I do not deserve His faithfulness. But he's good. His faithfulness is, supersedes human understanding. Faithfulness is him doing good for me when I don't deserve it. Today, how do I show my faithfulness to him? See, faithfulness, faithfulness is me doing regardless of what I feel. How many know if we were to live by our feelings, we probably wouldn't do some of the things we do? But then how many of you would agree that a lot of the things we do are based on our feelings and not based on our obedience gets quiet second timothy chapter three and verse number three says but the lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil i'm going to stay faithful to jesus regardless of what it looks like smells like and feels like how many know there's times where it gets tough to stay faithful to the one that saved us 
It's hard to stay faithful when bills aren't being paid. It's hard to stay faithful when cars are breaking down. It's hard to stay faithful when relationships are on the rocks. It's hard to stay faithful when our kids are turning their backs and running from God. It's hard to stay faithful sometimes. But I want to ask you today, is faithfulness to God solely based on how it feels, how it smells, what it looks like? Or is your faithfulness to Him solely based on what you've received from Him? Amen, because I can tell you today that there's going to be ups and downs in this life. I would love to stand up here and tell you that my life has been perfect. Why are you laughing back? Somebody laughing at me. But I will tell you there's been times where it doesn't look like God's been faithful to me. There's been times where I look and I'm like, God, have you forsaken me? God, have you turned your back from me? God, am I even a believer? But his faithfulness reaches to the heavens. See, one of the greatest challenges I've faced is resting in his faithfulness. Knowing regardless of what is asked of me, he will have my back. See, the greatest weapon I have against fear is understanding God's faithfulness. See, in order to do what God's called me to do, I can't, I can't listen to fear anymore. You know, this last week I shared with you guys last week, but Monday we had a, an incredible opportunity to, to share with the freshman class at Union Mine High School. And, and if, I don't know why I do this. I don't know if you guys have ever found yourself in a situation where all of a sudden you're standing, it's something you've believed God for, and then you're standing in the midst of it, and you're like, why am I doing this to myself? Right? And you're like, forget it. I quit. Right? I'll run away. I'm not going to show up. I almost, I was like, I had these feelings come on me on Monday morning. I was like, I'm going to call the principal and tell him I'm not coming today. Like, I'm just being real for a minute. Because there's 250 freshman kids for an hour staring at you point blank going, what are you going to do for an hour to keep me entertained? And man, all these feelings began to come over me. And Monday morning, I'm like, Fear began to grip me, and, and I'm like, they're freshmen. Who cares? I'm a full-grown adult. I almost have a kid old enough to be a freshman. I am not scared, but yet this emotion began to come upon my heart, and I was almost like I seriously grabbed my phone twice, and I almost called and be like, you know what? I'm not coming, and I'm like, wait a second. God, you are faithful. God, I don't need to listen to fear because you're faithful. And if I am obedient, you're going to show up and you're going to show off and I don't have to worry about all these little freshman faces. Amen? I'm going to stand in the face of opposition and I'm going to do what you've called me to do and I'm going to stick it to the devil. Amen? Oh, that probably wasn't good to say. Back to edit that part out. This morning... Have you seen his faithfulness displayed in your life? When you think about God's faithfulness, I'm so thankful for it. Because I've seen it firsthand displayed in my life. I could give you countless stories where God's faithfulness has shown up in my life and in my family's life. You know, recently my wife was in a car accident, got rear-ended, shoved into on... I mean, this lady drove through her at almost 50 miles an hour. She was stopped 
She was in our van, and she had five kids in the car with her. And this lady seriously drove right through the back end of her, shoved her into oncoming traffic, gets head on with another car coming 40 miles an hour. That throws her back into the car that rear-ended her and smacked again. I mean, you want to talk about God's faithfulness. You say, well, well, then why did God let that happen? I'm not going to go there. All I am going to tell you is when one of the kids sitting in the very back seat says, I don't know what went on. She goes, because right when it happened, I saw a bright light. And when you see my car, it's a smart car now. It is not a minivan. And I was like, God, your faithfulness. You want to talk about the freakiest moment of my life, running up to a scene and seeing all, all your kids laid out with blood all over, you know, bloody nose and, and two of them on stretchers and got neck braces. I'm like freaking out. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I have never experienced emotion like that. But then I'm like, wait a second. They're just doing what they need to do, precautionary measures. I'm like, God, you're faithful. God, you're good. God, one more second. And that car, what a T-bone the side of my van. God, you're faithful, God. And it's so easy to start going down that road where you're like, what if, what if, what if? No, no, no. How about, how about, God, your faithfulness, you're good. Your mercy is new every day. God's faithfulness. I've seen it displayed in my life. Have you seen his faithfulness displayed in your life? 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 13 says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. I don't know where you're at today, but man, God's faithfulness. Have you experienced it for yourself? The fact that you are sitting here today proves God's faithfulness in your life. See, my faithfulness to him is displayed through my obedience to him. Judges chapter 6 through chapter 8 is a, an amazing story to me and it's so hard to write these sermons because you never go, oh, man, are they going to, like, suck it out of me? Are they going to just sit there and stare at me like I don't know what I'm talking about and i got to have a lot more to say or do I have no time? Just being real. And, and so <laughs> you, like, write these things. I'm like, how much time am I going to have to talk this morning? So I'm going to condense this a little bit because I don't want to keep you long this morning. Judges chapter 6 through ver chapter 8 is an amazing story of God's faithfulness. Go home tonight and read it. And I'm going to summarize it for you, and you can come back and tell me if I messed up anywhere. But chapter 6, it starts off, and, and I don't know about you guys, but I'm usually one of those guys, I just start reading, and, and it's like, whoo, it goes off on the inside of you, and you're like, man, that's incredible. But yesterday, as I was just finalizing some stuff, I went back one verse. And I, I don't normally do this because I'm like, oh, this is when the story started. You know, it says, you know, verse chapter 6 and verse number 1, you can turn your Bibles if you want, Judges, it's on page 228 in your Bible, if yours is exactly the same as mine. If you have the fine print one, and yes, this is a paper Bible, okay? Why? <laughs> my kid is like, Dad, is that a paper Bible? I'm like, yeah, because I don't read my Bible, jeez. 
Judges chapter 6 and verse number 1. It's just because I didn't want to copy and paste the whole chapters, all right? But Judges chapter 6 and verse number 1, it starts off, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. That's a great way to start a story, isn't it? And for some odd reason, I'm like, what, was, what led up to this? And I backed up just one sentence. And it said, and the land had rest for 40 years. And Judges 5, and what is it? Verse 31. And I was like, whoa, back up the bus a second. Here we have, I mean, you want to talk about people abusing the faithfulness of God. The children of Israel. Huh. I mean, God, like I said, he pours water out of rocks. He makes breakfast, lunch, and dinner fall from the sky. He parts the Red Sea. He, I mean, we could go on for days about the things that he did to display his faithfulness. And so here we find in Judges 5.31 and, and through all the different things, and so let all thy enemies perish, O Lord, but let them that love him be as the sun when he goes forth in his might, and the land had rest for 40 years. That's a good promise, amen? But then, humanity steps into the game. And we begin to forget about his faithfulness. In Judges chapter 6, and verse number 1, they began to allow false idols in. They begin to allow things to creep in and begin to pull their heart away from the promises of God. And so here we find the children of Israel backed up into a corner again. God had given them great victories. They conquered the land. They were, they were God's chosen people. They were no longer outnumbered. They were the ones that everyone else feared. They were the ones that we wish we were today. They were not outnumbered in their pursuit. They had possessed the land. Everybody wanted what they had to offer. So here we find after 40 years, they began to allow things to creep in. I don't have time to read two chapters to you, so trust me on this. They allowed these things to begin to creep in. They begin to worship false gods. And they get to the end where all of a sudden they are backed up in a corner. The Bible says when you read the story that they were hiding in caves from the Midianites. They were hiding out because they were scared for their lives. And they finally got to the place where they got on their knees and said, Oh, God, would you deliver us? I don't know about you guys, but I don't think God should have. In my human mind, I'm like, God, let them die. Isn't that the way we work? We're like, you stupid. Look at what I've done for you. How many times with your kids, you're like, do you not see what I'm doing for you? I think about God for a second. It's like, look at all these things I've done for you. And you're going to just turn your back and allow these false gods in. You're going to allow these things to pull you away from your first love. You're going to allow the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of this world to pull you away from the very thing you committed to me at the altar. And here we find they're backed into a corner and they're crying out, God, redeem us, save us. And God, in his faithfulness, he shows up and shows off, doesn't he? In verse 10, and I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. 
He's going to let you know. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak tree, which was in Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash, the Abizurite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Now, I don't know about you guys. This is a cowardly act. I mean, these are the children of Israel. These are the chosen ones that God put a special mandate on. And here he is hiding in a wine press. I, I, I looked it up because so I was like, what is a wine press? So I think there's a, there's a picture that we can put up of what a wine press really looks like. It's this hole. And so they would dump their grapes in there, and, and it doesn't do justice being flat. But in real life, it's deep. And these guys would put all the berries in there, obviously, and, and roll that rock around. They would smash the berries, and then they would put the juice down the bottom. So Gideon, being, being the, you know, this awesome man of God, chosen individual, decides that he's going to thresh wheat in his wine press because he didn't want the armies to see him out. He had to create food. He had to do this. I love this part of the story. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. God's faithfulness. Here is a cowardly act. You are hiding from the enemy. You do not want anybody to know that you're in there. And the angel shows up and says, mighty man of valor. I would not call somebody hiding for his life, mighty man of valor. I would be like, hey, <laughs> you could fill in the blank. Out of there. Come on, I'm going to show you some things. But God's faithfulness, he, he looks at, at the ability deep within that we don't see many times because we feel outnumbered. We're bound by fear, but God sees the potential on the inside of us. See, I believe it's a great display of who we are and how we view what God sees in us. There have been 40 years of rest for these children, and here we find the very people that God had done so much for. Over 40 years, there had been rest and then complacency set in. But I believe today that once again, God is looking for some mighty men and women of valor. He's tired of us feeling outnumbered. He's tired of us hunkered down in our wine press, threshing wheat, feeling comfortable with what we have in this world. God is looking for his army to rise up again and look at their cities, look at their neighborhoods, look at the lost, look at the broken and say, it's time for you to rise up and be Mighty men and women of God. What is his faithfulness in your life? Have you experienced it firsthand? I love this story because it doesn't stop there. I mean, God just begins to do things over and over. I mean, if I saw an angel, that would be enough. Could you imagine an angel showing up? And being like, I could just imagine, like, it's not some puny little cherubim, fat little baby angel, okay? It's a big, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining, because I watch movies, glowing, you know, I mean, just, but I think this angel was probably like Hercules, you know, like, because I like to work out, big, buff, kind of like, roar, like, Tony, mighty man of valor, whoo, get up, you know, he's like, because Tony's just hiding out down here. But I believe this angel appeared. And I don't know about you guys. You can sit down. Thank you. Would that not be enough to fire you up? You would go running out these doors and be like, I'm going to save my city. But then Gideon, because he is so not a mighty man of valor. 
you read the story, he still questions. He's like, okay, God, if this is you, then, then I'm going to put this fleece out here, and, and dew's going to be there in the morning. And, and, and so God does it. He goes, okay, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test you again, because if it's you really wanting me to do this, I'm going to put fleece out again, and dew can't be on top. It has to be underneath. And God does it. And so Gideon is still like, I'm a mighty man of God. I'm a mighty man of valor. I'm going to do something great. But God, I mean, two times he questions whether this is really God. I mean, seeing an angel is enough for me. I would love to see an angel in real life. I would love, I mean, I already got faith. But could you imagine an angel just showing up and having a straight-up conversation, just sitting down at Starbucks being like, Barbara, here's what God sees on the inside of you. It's time for you to go and accomplish. I mean, would we not run out of Starbucks and begin to go do what God called us to do? But how many times do we sit there and question God's faithfulness because of fear? And here's Gideon, and I'm going to summarize all the way to the end of this story. You get down to the very end of chapter 7. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered it into thy hands. You go on and you find out that, you know, Gideon slays the, the false gods and, and he breaks all these altars down and now everybody's mad at him. But then the, the king rises up and be like, if you want to pick him over the guy that heard from the angel, go ahead. Um, if you want to worship the false god instead of honoring the real god, Go ahead, I'll let God be the judge. So they all give in, and Gideon rises up. So Gideon begins to assemble this army, and I don't know about you guys, but when I feel a task at hand, I'm like rallying the troops. I'm like, if there's something, if we got to stack all these chairs, I'm like, I need everybody to help me stack the chairs. We'll get it done real quick. That's what Gideon does. He's running through the, through the camp. He's like, come on, come on, God showed up. God appeared to me. We're going to kill these guys. We're taking back, the, taking back the land. So Gideon gets thousands of them together. To go and slay this army. And then God shows up one more time. Oh, by the way, you have too many. You want to talk about feeling outnumbered. He's like, what are you talking about? He goes, take them down and let's get a drink. He goes, and Gideon's like, well, how am I going to know? He's going, you're going to know. And, and so they all get down to the, the pond and they begin to drink. And he goes, and the ones that lapped water with their faces up are the ones that are with you. Because they're not bound by fear. They're ready to take the enemy's camp. And I began to think about God's faithfulness. And I began to think about so many times we want everybody to go with us. But I think sometimes God's trying to weed us away from the people that aren't really with us. Because God wants us to do something greater that he can only do with the people that are with us. But that doesn't, you'd think that that'd be enough. Fleece, fleece. Separating the armies. And then at the very end. He says, but if you still fear, in verse 10, chapter 7. Go thou with Phura, thy servant, down to the host. And thou shalt hear what they say. And afterwards shall thy hand be strengthened to go down unto the host. And they went down with Phura, the servant, unto the outside of the armed men. And they began to hear this dream that was taking place. How many times does God have to show up in your life for you to receive his faithfulness? For you to believe that he'll really do what he says he'll do? I mean, is it going to take three times, four times, 
five times. I mean, Gideon, he is, he is hard-headed because he doubted the faithfulness of God. See, faith will never be exercised while seated in comfort. Gideon was like many of us, loved God, yet saw no way that he could actually be used to do something great. Every generation faces the challenge of understanding God's faithfulness. Think about it, 40 years had taken place. This is a whole new generation. But every generation is faced with the challenge of understanding his faithfulness and learning to walk in his favor. I can't expect my kids to walk in my understanding of his faithfulness. And I can't walk in my parents' understanding of his faithfulness. We all have to get our own understanding of how faithful he is. See, when God gives the charge, we rally the troops. We grab our artillery, don't we? We get everybody together. I I started thinking about, man, if God told me I was going to fight an army, I would do everything I could to enlist the troops. I would gather everything I had. I would, I would, I would give Tony a pistol. I would, it was a good shot. I would give some, right? I would get the biggest, baddest guns I could find because I'm going to take the enemy's camp, right? But God does things differently. Everybody's like, don't point that at me. All right, I won't. But we would, wouldn't we? We'd give everybody Uzis, machine guns. Be like, take them, Rambo. That's not the way God works. Because God's favor doesn't look at numbers. God's favor doesn't look at artillery. Because God is God. Amen? And those 300 men, they went on to kill thousands because of God's favor. This morning, maybe you've wrestled with his faithfulness. Maybe you wrestle with understanding why things happen in your life. But regardless of what experiences you've had, regardless of your current walk, I believe God wants to display his faithfulness in your life today. Is it going to take an angel appearing to get you to move into action? Remember 2 Timothy 1.7, he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And of a sound mind. This morning you'll never know what opportunities are before you. If you continually look behind you. Or within you at your own abilities. See his favor is greater than any force known to man. I love this verse. Luke chapter 11 and verse number 9. As we close today. Bill. If you'd serenade us. Luke chapter 11 and verse number 9. So many times people say. Well what. What opportunities are there for me? What, what could God do through me? This is my favorite verse. Because so many times we sit back and we wait for the phone to ring. But I believe this is God's commission. Keep asking, seeking, knocking. So I say to you and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. This verse went off on the inside of me a few years ago. And I was standing in the gym. And I said, I have something to say. God, who can I say it to? 
And he goes, well, who do you want to say it to? And I said, X, Y, Z. And he said, well, you have X's phone number. You don't have Y, but you can go knock on his office door. And you have Z's phone number. Why don't you knock? See, so many times we sit back and we say, God, where's the opportunity? God, what could you do through me? God, what, what, what? But he's saying, will you knock? Will you ask? Will you seek? See, when I understand his faithfulness, I'm no longer bound by fear. Does fear arise at times? Absolutely. But the more I knock, the more the doors open. I'm on our campus because I, I knocked. I stand before those freshmen Monday because I knocked. And I called the, the principal and I said, hey, not really. I said, Mr. DeVille, I love these kids and I love our community. I said, and I have a story that I think could help a lot of these kids. Would you let me share it? And he calls me every year now. He calls me now. Kind of awesome. What are the doors that God, what are the doors that God is asking you to knock on today? Maybe you're a Gideon. You've been hiding in your wine press of comfort and security because of fear. But maybe today God is standing over you like that angel saying, get up, mighty man. Get up, mighty woman. See, the only opportunity you're missing today is the one you're not taking. Being obedient to the little things is truly the key to experiencing the more of God. How many of you want more of God? Isn't that like the thing that we all say? Oh, I just want more of God. I want more of you, God. You know where the more is? Out those doors. I love worship. I love church. I mean, this is beautiful. We had a group. I love this. But I will tell you, the more I do out there, the more of him I feel, the more of him I experience because he's faithful, he is good, and he wants to do greater things through each and every one of us today. Would you bow your heads this morning? Father, I thank you today.